Latino Lion Media presents Business First. Hi, all. Welcome to a new episode of Business First with Sonia Aline. I am your host. And uh, today we're going to talk about book publishing. I meet a lot of professionals who say that they have books in them and want to write books. And books can be a great tool to advance your business goals. I myself am an author. I'm the author of two books, Good Is Not Enough and Other Unwritten Rules for Minority Professionals, which I co-wrote with Keith Weish. And my newest book, I Kick Ass at Work, the first strategy journal for career professionals. Both those books have helped me get speaking engagements, sit on panels. They're All of these things are, are good for advancing your brand and putting your message out there to broader audiences. And so today we have a wonderful expert with us, a dear friend, Nadine Gale, who is a literary agent and a communication specialist. And so today we're going to talk about how you can use book publishing to advance your brand and your business goals. Welcome, Nadine. Thank you for having me today. Excited to talk. Very good. Very good. So you have been in the book publishing industry. I know you you do a number of different things, but you've been in book publishing for how long? I've been in publishing for about seven years, about seven years. And I'm sure you also get, I mean, because I have have co-authored a book and written a book, I get a lot of people asking me, you know, what the process is like. I know you probably get a lot of requests and a lot of questions about, you know, how do I get my story out there? I definitely get a lot of requests about how do I get my story out there. And um, I get a lot of requests for a lot of different things. Some people, they think they want to write a book, but that is not what they really want. Well, so that's interesting. So if someone, so you can, you can tell based on the conversations that you've had with them that maybe a book is not really what they want. So how can you clarify that for someone in the audience who's probably sure that they want to write a book, but if they had a conversation with you, you might think that that's not the direction they should go in. So one of the things I ask people is, why do you want to write a book? To your point, you said that many people want to use book writing to advance their career and branding strategies. Now, if you want to write a book to get rich, I often say this is probably not the best way. This is not 1980 something. Social media, the internet have totally changed things around. There's a lot of things you can research online. You don't need a book for certain things anymore. And if people have already written books on, in that space, you need to quantify why your voice is needed in that space. And that's, that's generally the route for traditional publishing. If you're just going to self-publish your book and you have a good marketing strategy, you may not need to go to a traditional publisher. But those questions have to be asked so we can understand, A, do you really want to write this book? And do you really want to commit to the process of being traditionally published, which sometimes can take a year to a year and a half from the start of the process to hitting a shelf? And, um, you know, the, you know, there's different variables. And when people hear that it takes that long, they're like, oh, I'm just going to self-publish. And I'm like, you can self-publish. Understand what self-publishing means. As you know, you do everything, which is fine, too. I think that technology has made things so wide open that people have options. So you said you ask people several questions when they tell you they have a book. And so the first is why, what are some of the other questions Mm -hmm. that you may ask? 
Do you consider yourself an expert on this topic? Would others call you an expert on this topic? I'll ask, why should I listen to you? What do you have to say? There's so much noise out here. What do you have to say that's Mm going to add to the conversation? Are you committed to spending a year and a half on this topic? In short, you can spend even longer on this particular topic. Some people want to write what I do get out of people, I elicit that some of them just want to write a long form article. They don't necessarily want to commit to a 60 to a hundred and something page book on a topic. You know what I mean? So there's different things that come out when you ask people why you want to write this book. Who is your audience for this book? Who do you see reading this book? You know, there's authors who are one-up authors. They only want to write one book. Some people want to continue to write different things. Some people want to write for websites. They don't necessarily want to do a book that is that they're attached to for so long. So there's different reasons. And some people have great things to say. There's an article that came out called Holding Space. It is the most beautiful article I think I've ever read about dying. And she wrote this article and she said when her mother was dying, the nurse taught her what it meant to hold. You know, we hear this phrase said often in all the time yoga yeah. communities and wellness places and spaces oh I hold space for somebody and she really dove in and said that I forget what she called it but there's a space between when an event that happens and the next mm-hmm. step that you take and she that's what she calls holding space and when her mother passed the nurse was like you know she was like you know you get frantic what do I need to do like you don't need to do anything she said take a moment you can go say goodbye to your mom you can sit with her you can do whatever you need to do in this moment right now to create the next step for yourself and your siblings and the article just was so it it made me cry even, I remember. And I remember I reached out to this woman. I was like, oh my gosh, you should do a book. You should write about this. She wanted to write a book about teaching other people how to hold space. And I think a lot of publishers wanted her to write a book about just the whole terminology of holding space. So again, you know, there were different ideals, but the article in and of itself was just so complete in its definition that it's been, I think it's the most, when you put in holding space, it's the most popular thing that comes up when you write when at the time when I saw the article it was the most popular thing when you put in the words holding space so you know that's just one example of like you know why do you want to write a book you know I wanted her to write a book for one reason Mm -hmm. as did the other editors and she wanted to write a book to encourage other people to teach them how to hold space so you know it was just it's it's just a beautiful concept though So you also bring up another interesting point too, just the dynamic of what an author may want, what an editor may be looking for, and what a publisher is looking for. And so that happens a lot if you talk about going the traditional route that an author can feel or an aspiring author can feel like, this is what I want to talk about. And then if they get accepted into the process, the, the publisher and or the editors may feel differently. And can you talk about that dynamic and how that can change the book? And, and sometimes for the better, sometimes authors are very rigid and they don't want to veer away from what they believe their, their premise and their, and their subject matter should be. So you bring up an interesting point as well in terms of what can happen when an author has an idea and when they bring it to a publisher. And sometimes a publisher can have a very different idea from what an aspiring author wants to create. And so can you talk about the the pros and the cons of that? Because, you know, sometimes authors can be very, uh, and I'll use the term rigid in terms of, or, or just very clear, like this is what I want to write about. But sometimes there's this dynamic that happens 
um, where there's conversation and there's exchange and you can come up with a, a, a different product, which sometimes can be better. And then sometimes maybe the author just has to walk away. Ah, okay. So I think that when an author oftentimes comes to the table with an idea of what they think people want to know. And oftentimes when you do an, a nonfiction book and you're going the traditional publishing route, you have to present what's a pro- what's called a proposal. And in that proposal, you have to kind of outline, like I said, who your audience is, your primary, secondary, tertiary audience. You have to outline, you know, why you're doing this book in your competitive titles. Oftentimes, there, you know, I'm sure everyone has heard there's no original ideas anymore. There's no original thought, but there's an original way to state it. We've all heard people say, you know, your word is your bond. You know what I'm saying? That That's something that we've all right. heard. But in the four love languages, it says be impeccable with your word. What is the difference with saying your word is your bond and be impeccable with your word? They're the same thing. But the way that he wrote it has lent himself to be able to put it into a book. To your question, oftentimes you may come with an idea of what you think you want to say. But as people in publishing, you're realizing this has been said before. This has been said this way. You can say it this way and, you know, garner more support or garner more viewer or readership if you do this. So oftentimes, you know, you're an expert on something, but we may want you to tap into something else. It's in your wheelhouse, but we want to shift in a different right. direction. It happens often. It happens often. I was remembering um, not so much my relationship with the with the initial publisher, because my second book went through a number of different changes. But oh, yes, um, it was interesting, my exchange with the or exactly with the um, with the editor. Because mm-hmm. I had decided that I was going to do a journal. And so right. um, I wanted to talk about how to use the journal. And then I just wanted the pages for the journal. And so when I submitted the book, um, the editor was just like, yeah, this is not going to work. And I remember feeling a little insulted. I was just like, what do you mean it's not going to work? Like, this is it. This is the idea. Yeah, and she said, language. well, no. Take we nothing mean, personal. Look. <laughs> take nothing personal, right? And so she was like, no, 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 you have to, um, we need more of your story. We're going to need some um, more content. And I was like, content, it's a journal. And, and I remember being so stuck on like, you know, like this is done. Like, you know, what do you mean? But they weren't going to accept it unless I made the changes. And I'm so glad that I made the changes. You know, if you could talk about the role of working with an editor, um, whether you self-publish or not, you know, that can sometimes be, um, that can really stretch you into different places where you didn't think you were going to go. And I'm so grateful for my editor because we did compromise. They wanted a lot more content, but it was the the conversation about like what this should be and how we can do it. Um, I'm so glad it wasn't what I presented in what I thought was the final, the final stage. So book publishing is very collaborative. When you're creating your book, to your point, you may be in a silo, like you're like, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to do it. But you are right. dealing with people who work in the industry and they're like, okay, this is cool, but this is going to make it great. That's often what happens because you're just, you, you know, you're creating something and you're wed to it because you see the vision and you see what right. what I want to say mm-hmm. and I want to say it this way. And the person reading is like, yes, you said something great. Well, what about if you add this? And what about if you talk about this? Right. And it makes your um, content so much meatier and so much more viable. And those are the things mm-hmm. that happen when you are collaborative and open to collaboration with your baby. We call the books babies. You know, you're, you're birthing a baby. 
baby right. in your creation. And like, like, so that's are. people are like that about their books and their projects. You know, you guys are serious about your artwork now. Um, that's right. And then it becomes about my sensitive child. So you have to, um, you know, you, <laughs> you create. And, you know, when people add, you make sure you say it nicely. Like, I think this is amazing. But did you yeah. think about adding this to your book? And, you know, you let, I often tell authors, like, let it marinate. Think about what I'm saying. Because the minute you say it, you, yeah. know, you know, you you hear the breath drawing. You're like, wait, what? Huh? I think I need to, I'm like, I do. I think you may need to add something else. You may want to interview someone else. Or, yeah. You know, all of those things. And everyone thinks that yeah. their idea I mean, is the had best some, idea ever. You do. You really do. I mean, and I work as an editor. And so, you know, I would always say to writers, like, when you submit something, right, when you submit work, you don't think it's crap. Like, you're not submitting crap. You really feel like, oh, this is the best that I have come up with and this I is the best that, that I've Ooh, presented. I and yeah. yeah, I did that. Yes. <laughs> and so, and, you, and then you have an editor come along and go, oh, no, 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 like, this doesn't make sense, or how come you didn't explain this? And um, and it can be a really hard process, but um, I, I'm sure you agree that even if you decide to self-publish, like, you should really always have somebody else look at it. You should really, if you can, hire an editor and not just put yourself Let me out tell there. you something. I do not take people on unless they've either been in a writing group with their peers looking at their work, because... Wow. Many people don't understand your writing has to go through many iterations. Okay, so we're speaking and you say how I paused and Mm -hmm. someone may, you know, I may stutter and different things come up while I'm speaking. When someone's reading, there's a different, and a lot of people don't realize this, your brain is processing information differently as you're reading it. So you want to make sure the reading is seamless and that it resonates in a certain way. Because if your writing is very choppy and a person's like, wait, let me go back. Like it affects their ability to take in the information. Even when they talk about typesetting, they want the word spaced out a certain way to say that your eye to your brain, it reads a certain mm-hmm. way. So there's different things, different elements of the whole process that, you know, people have to be aware of and understand why that's done. But for me, those are things that your peers can assist you with. Oftentimes, like a writing book, right. be like, right. like, if you come to me and tell me you're an editor at a magazine, I'm probably going to be less like, oh, you need to, you know, I'm probably like, okay, have one or two of your friends look at it. First, I'm like, no, have about 10 of okay. your friends look at it. Get into a writing group because I need to know where you, you know, are you committed? If you're not committed to getting into a writing group, are you really going to be committed to this process? And that's very, with fiction book, that is like a mandatory. Like, I do not take you on unless you've had other people read your work before I read it. Minimum. Well, so that, and that's, so I've never heard, I've never heard that before. Can you offer... What, where you can find these groups or the particular groups that people should be looking at. And I, I think because I mean, I've always Facebook written in my, my profession. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's Facebook groups, um, Goodreads. Um, there's so many. If you Google writing groups, um, if you're in college or, you know, okay. you have your peer, you guys have peer groups. Um, there's so many different ways to find writing groups. You can start a writing group. You can even just like I was an English That's major, true. so I will often bring in some of my, you know, my college people and be like, oh, take a look at this for me. And what do you think? You have to find a way to get that done. You know, if someone contacts me and they're saying they're having trouble finding a writing group, I mean, I would assist them in doing that, you know, and I would mm-hmm. hope that they would take it a step further and contact that writing group. But, you know, in this day, like I said, digital 
everything. Things are much more accessible. Yeah, I think I'm going to research that for for myself. Um, I've never been a part of a a writing group. I mean, having worked for you know magazines, but you're also an editor. Um, it's different. Yeah, I'm an editor, but even as a as a writer, um, you know, I know mm-hmm. what it's like to have your work just ripped up um, and 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 having to start over and having to go back or finding additional research, um, which can feel demoralizing. Uh, but it, it it really does help your um, your writing. And so for any of any any frustrated writers out there, um, we would tell you to just, you know, it's a process and to continue to go through the process and um, don't take the, the criticism seriously or personally. Take it seriously, not personally. Um, yes. But and yeah, you it, also- it, it only it, it will make the product better. The other thing I will definitely say as well is when I criticize something, I said, well, why did you do this? Because sometimes I may not understand Mm -hmm. and you may have to elicit that particular writing a little bit better. And like I said before, you let things marinate because when you write something, just because I don't get it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't belong there. If you have six people tell you, six out of 10 readers tell you something, definitely take a look at it. But if you have 10 readers and only one reader is like having an issue with it, you look at it and you're like, you know what? you know, I'm fine with that, you know, but you definitely, that's why I tell people you get a cross section. When you get a cross section of readers, you get a better analysis of what that, what an average reader would think of your book versus if you just have one or two readers who went to school with you, who grew up with you, who live in your neighborhood, who are the same race as you. Like when you do all of those things the same, their perception may be the same. So when you get a cross section of people, which is why I said sometimes a writing group is even better because they may not be your personal friends at times. You guys get a rounded, a well-rounded view of, you know, the situation. What would you say are the, the top mistakes that um, aspiring writers may make in getting their their book to um, to market thinking their first draft is their best draft or their last draft is their best draft then overwriting like after you know it's been written then you keep like and you're like okay you did a good job we're good (laughs) you know once people get on a roll sometimes they just keep going back in and you're like okay stop don't go back in let it rest. And are you talking about in terms of additional information or just like once they've made their point, they should be okay with, and they've gotten the okay from the editors and the groups, like they should just leave that. Yeah. Like you just won't stop. Like you're correcting everything. Okay. Like you're, um, oh. you know, some things that are just like, if that's not a, like that wasn't an issue. Like the color of his shirt was not an issue or unless, unless the color of the shirt was mentioned for a reason, you know, like little things like that. Also, people who don't want to spend money for their book writing. Um, there is a sacrifice mm-hmm. that is often made when you decide to write a book. Going to conferences, like learning to pitch. Like you have to learn the book lang- language and, you know, learn some things about book etiquette as well. And sometimes that, ca- you know, that calls for you to go to a conference or two. I'm not saying to bankrupt yourself doing that either. You know, I want you to be level-headed about your approach to this. But there's nothing wrong with paying to go to a conference. There's also nothing wrong with paying an editor. And of course, get different quotes and look at what their work has been. And don't waste your money. Don't waste your money is a big thing. Like people will waste their money on things and then come to an agent. And agents, they're not supposed to charge you before, um, you know, you guys sell the book. That's what the le- the latest rules were. I probably need to check the updated one. Nadine, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to publishing and and was it a love of books because 
I love the written. This is this was not your first. Okay. No. So I am an English education major and a mass communications minor. So I went to Clark Atlanta University. And as I said, I majored in English and I minored in mass comm. So I did the news when I was at Clark. And I remember we had a writer's conference at Clark University. Clark Atlanta University and one we had Outcast come for one of our um it was a writer's workshop so Outcast came for one and I remember Tupac Shakur's mother came for one Feeney Shakur was there and it was just like the poetry was flowing and you know then we had like, Outcast was there at one time and it was just like you know I really love the written word because it communicates things that you can't sometimes say to someone else in different outlets. So, you know, like I said, I majored in mass comm. So I always battled with like my love of art and my love of being direct and informative. So I then went on to teach for a little while and then I went to law school. While I was in law school, I still went and took journalism classes because I still like I love the law. I didn't know I didn't love law school. That was a necessary evil. I love information. The information that you get, like you know, the saying, you know, you want to hide something from black people you put in a book. Law school was so much reading, but it was so much information and it's like so much we don't know. And as we can see right now what's happening in Texas, them trying to make um learning about MLK and Native Americans and teaching about the Ku Klux Klan cannot be taught that it is um, morally incorrect. They're changing history. And it's important that, you know, these things are documented, you know, in our in the African American and the, you know, black cultures, we definitely have oral we had griots at time and that's how we kept our history. But you know, now it's like it's so important that we document these things. And it was uh, what else is funny, like one of my girlfriends from college just put up today that she was reading Zora Neale Hurston's latest book about about one of the last slaves that came over. And when you read these things, they transport you to a different time and a different place. Yeah. And I just think like the written word is just so powerful and it's many lanes and variations ideations um when you read poetry how it you know they use symbolism and things of that nature to portray um information when you hear a rap song and you know i remember i I was teaching somewhere and i used jay-z's song with justin timberlake i forget the name of it and he was talking about how addictive fame was and we broke down like the lyrics to the song and the kids were like, oh, wow, I never thought about that. And, um, you know, I just think like the written word is just so powerful. It's just pow- it's just powerful to master the written word and to be able to relay information to someone else when you're doing a news article and, you know, you're you're saying, you know, you're giving a description of what happened and like for now the news articles are important now when I'm going back and reading things from 1918 about what happened with the pandemic of 1918 it was so informative to me like the open airness that they had to use in 1918 the open school systems that they you know they were doing court outside to prevent the spread of disease and I just think like all of those things are just so important um, for documentation, for transfer of information, for teaching without necessarily saying, you know, I just think those things are just so important. We are challenged to make things a little bit more dynamic to be able to bring people in. Oh, and yeah. so um, it's great that people still want to write. 
So one of the things that, you know, to have a best-selling book, they want you to have been able to sell 25. I think the number last I know is about 25,000 copies is considered like a great sale of a book. And it seems like that number is super easy, right? Like, oh, I can sell 25,000 books. There's 8 million people alone that live in New York City. You know, so I can get 25,000 of them to buy a book. It is not that that easy easy. to get 25,000 people (laughs) to get. Right. But a lot of people, when you hear what the numbers are versus how many people are in the world and in the United States? You're like, oh, I can sell 25,000 copies of the book. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, let's get our feet yeah. on the ground. But that's not always the way that it happens. So, I mean, you mentioned it earlier. I mean, the technology has made so much more accessible um, where you can create, you know, people now can create their own audiences on social media and, and their audiences can purchase these books. And so there are a lot more opportunities. And, and so... Hopefully, again, people will still be inspired to create. It's like you said, it's not an easy writing is not an easy process, but the rewards when when you've completed a product and and you get to see it. And even more than that, when people tell you it's impacted, you know, how your book has either impacted their life or inspired them or helped them, um, then you realize that the, the all of the work was was absolutely worth it. Writing is not an easy process process. And uh, hopefully people will still be inspired to write and create. Uh, But, you know, when you finally, when you birth it, as you said before, right, when you finally birth it and you get to see the hard copy and you see what it looks like. And further to that point, when people tell you how much the book has either helped them or inspired them or helped Mm -hmm. them learn something that they didn't know, then that's when you see that it was, it was all, it was all worth it. All the work was, was worth it. So um, I think to your point, I would, I, my author, Marianne Howland, I think I have her book here. This is a pre-advanced copy, Warrior Rising. Yes, um, Warrior Rising. When she, when she did that book, it was, um, so, you know, unfortunately she released it at the beginning of the pandemic. So right. we were, I remember her release. Right. So probably next year we're going to really just do a heavy push again because the book talks Mm -hmm. about community and how to raise, you know, our children in a communal space. And she realized she's the mother of a boy and she realized, um, you know, she couldn't raise him alone. She brought in four mentors and they helped her raise him from 13 to 18. I bring her book up because we had a different title at one point in time. We had, there was, there were so many different things that happened with the book. And, um, you know, when it finally came out, though, it was just like, yes, you know, but it was a lot <laughs> of groundwork to get it to that point. And it was like, we fought over the title, like fought the publishing house over the title. A lot of different things to take into consideration. Yeah. yeah. Great, great, great book. So what's next for Nadine? I mean, you've got a couple of irons in the fire. Uh, yes, I am currently, I still, I do a lot more consultation with authors because particularly, um, they're not, publishing is probably one to 2% black. That's it. There's not a lot of people of color that are included in the publishing world. And I will say that because they generally don't pay a lot of people. Editors don't get paid that much at the beginning of their careers. And, um, you know, historically, we need to be compensated, you know, people of color need to be compensated. Black people, I'll be more specific, <laughs> want to be yeah. compensated for their work. You know, we many of us don't come from, we come from humble beginnings. It's a lot of work that you put in and it takes a long time to be paid. Even as a literary agent, you know, you're looking at the book, you're turning it in, you know, from start 
to publishing, you may be paid maybe $1,500 at times. To your point about what's next, I definitely do consultation and I don't, I don't always, I don't agent those books. I help people really pull their books together. The concept, the idea, do you want to self-publish or do you want to go traditional publishing? And that's the beginning of, you know, how we decide what road we're going to take to move, to advance your situation. And so if someone wants and, to reach out to you for consultation, how should they reach you? Right now, I do prefer if you are referred at the present moment, I don't just take people like I haven't done any conferences recently. Like usually my publishing friends will reach out to me and say, oh, this person wants to talk to you. And I take my clients that way. Mm -hmm. But if someone, you know, if you use that's how it's usually been happening for the last, you know, years, last few years. I would say 90 percent of the people I meet yeah. are through referrals. And I met quite a few people through you. Yeah. You know, if you do want to reach out to me, it's just my name, nadine.gale at gmail.com. They can put, put business in first in the subject line. Yes, they need to put this podcast. And that's the way, like, because I can't necessarily handle the volume of just when you work in an agency, they have what they call the slush pile, which people do submissions. And someone goes through the slush pile and sees that, you know, they, oh, this is potentially a good book or whatever. And, um, wow. But yeah, I don't. Okay. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's, it's it's a process. It's definitely a process. Okay. You're doing some political things. You're doing some creative things. The director of communications for for Assemblywoman Latrice Walker. Yes. So um, yes, who we had as a guest, who was great. Yes. Yes. She's amazing. 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 Um. So you were politics is, is very different, though. It is very different, but the information portal, disseminating okay. information, and making sure people understand what they are doing what they're hearing what they're learning what they're seeing what their rights are those things you know i think are fundamental and foundational as we are going through this this time in america absolutely well we look forward to hearing and learning more about uh, the projects that you're getting involved in uh, thank you so much love... for for coming on today thank you so much oh, for having yes. me and i look forward to coming back and discussing you know some of the projects and um you know, when I come back, I would love to kind of do like, you know, a mini workshop of helping people get from idea conceptually to a book. Oh, I love that idea. That would be great. Yeah. Okay. So let's, we're going to plan that. So yes, thank, you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you all for listening and um, drop us a line, um, subscribe, share our information, and uh, we'll see you again here next time. Thanks for listening. Take care. Business First is hosted and produced by Sonia Aline. Edited by Ken Johnson. Executive producers, Ken Johnson. Find the Business First podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Business First podcast is a Mean Old Line Media production.